Good evening. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. Today, or this evening rather, is January 7th, 2023. And this particular podcast discussion is a little bit of a diversion from some of the usual things I talk about, citizenship taxation, green card issues, etc. My guest tonight is Dr. Donald Young, who is a licensed psychologist in the province of Ontario. And I know this because I went to the CPO website before uh, our call tonight to confirm that, yes, he is absolutely positively a licensed psychologist in the province of Ontario. And he's joining me this evening to not only talk about a little bit of what it means to be a licensed psychologist, but the regulatory authority in Ontario that regulates psychologists and in that context to comment on some of the interesting news this week about Dr. Jordan Peterson and his problems with the College of Psychologists of Ontario and what that all means. So this should be a very, very interesting discussion and I'm relying on, may I call you Don? Absolutely. And I'm relying uh, I'm relying on Don to kind of take me through this uh, and uh, by extension the listeners because I think this is going to be really interesting. Well, let's begin, Don, uh, with this. Uh, you know, I've always known about psychologists. Uh, I know that there are insurance policies that cover psychological counseling. Increasingly, yeah, there are. I know they are all over the place, but I, you know, come to think of it, I don't have the vaguest idea what one even is, if there is one definition. So let's start with that. Yeah, I think in Ontario, there's only about alive and practicing probably about 4,000 or less of us. So we're not that uncommon. One of the most common problems is people are very confused about what a psychiatrist is, what a psychologist is. So let me start there. Uh, A psychiatrist is somebody who has a medical degree so that's four years of an undergraduate program, then four years of medical school. And then to get into psychiatry, it's probably another five years of psychiatric residency beyond that. And again, psychiatrists can prescribe medication, uh, which is their primary interest this day and age. Uh, they can do counseling, but that's increasingly very rare. I've often thought that a lot of the newly hatched psychiatrists strike me as a bit more... Uh, well, a bit more like chemists, I'd say, than than, uh, than psychotherapists, but still a few will do, uh, will do psychotherapy. Um, but the point is, they're medical doctors, so they can prescribe medication, they do counseling. So that would be psychiatry. And they are covered under OHIP. That's important. Psychologists are not covered under OHIP. Now, a psychologist is someone who typically has a four-year undergraduate degree in psychology, then goes on to usually do a master's degree, which takes a year or two typically, then goes into a doctoral program, which can typically take three or four years to eight or 10, depending if you dawdle or not. Um, And the education is uh, is broad and at the same time in depth of of all aspects of of human behavior, uh, biology, we do study medications and, and all the rest. Um, after getting your doctorate, you can apply to the College of Psychologists, which I can tell you about more in a minute, and submit all your papers, 
and they vet you through that process and you become a psychologist. I should also add that on your way, you're gonna to have to go through one or two years of pretty intensive internships, just like a physician would under the auspices of another psychologist. And finally, uh, when you're hatched, you submit everything to the college and the college studies your background. Uh, you also have to take a, an extensive test, which is standardized North America wide. And you have to score a certain uh, level of, of correct items on the test. Then you are also interviewed by members of the college. And if you pass all that, you are granted a license to practice psychology. Okay. So what and, I'm getting from this are, are two, two, I think, important and relevant points. Uh, and I thank you for this. This is very, very interesting. First of all, uh, the psychiatrist, uh, I guess we'd say presumptively prescribes a medicine to treat the patient. Yes. Uh, and the psychologist actually uh, gets down into the gutter and treats the patient by talking to the patient. And well, they talk therapy one way or the other. There's many different types of therapy from behavioral therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. You hear so much about the more Freudian dynamic therapy. But the key point is that you can't, you can't prescribe uh, no, although that is changing in certain jurisdictions in the United States, uh, some psychologists with extra education can prescribe medications, uh, although we are all educated in medications, and I have a particular interest in psychopharmacology. While I do not prescribe them, I can often advise. I'll talk to a GP and recommend uh, uh, what I suggest for a patient. Then I have many GPs calling me and ask what I might recommend. Very interesting. All right. The second thing that's of great, great interest, I think, both for me personally and our for discussion tonight, is that nobody holds themselves out as a psychologist or practices as a psychologist in the province of Ontario without the approval of this CPO College of Psychologists of Ontario. Is that correct? Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it used to be many years ago that anybody could hang a shingle. Well, going back 50 years, anybody could hang a shingle and call themselves a psychologist with, with uh, uh, no credentials. Uh, that was unchanged. You do have to indeed be a psychologist if you hold yourself out to be a psychologist uh, and try to practice and you're not. You will be prosecuted, and they have prosecuted people for that. Then the matter became people who just call themselves a psychotherapist with no training whatsoever uh, and go out and, and try to practice. So that's been licensed too. Um, under the Registered Health Professions Act, Ontario has regulated all the health professions. Uh, I tried to make a brief list of the ones I can remember. So that would be medicine, psychology, dentistry, optometrists, uh, social workers, occupational therapists, acupuncturists, massage therapists, and a bunch I've forgotten about. There's That's about unbelievable. 15 or 18 of them. So under the Registered Health Professions Act, which is the law, statute law in Ontario, each discipline has to set up a college. Now, people hear the word college and they automatically think it has to do with education. That's got nothing to do with it. But they have to set up a college. So there's the College of Physicians and Surgeons. There's a College of Psychologists. There's a psych uh, just a, across the board. There's colleges for all these. And the college is your regulatory body. They sanction you to practice. 
They sanction you to unpractice, which is what they're trying to do to Jordan Peterson at the moment. Uh, they take complaints from the public, which are extremely easy to do. You can just do it right online if you like. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it hasn't made things easy. You can do that with law too, I understand. Oh, uh, yes, I know, I know that. Yeah. Doing it online takes you five minutes. Um, anyway, they, they do regulate the, the profession. So, so basically, from the perspective of the general public, it sounds to me like the purpose of the college is to give is to give a place for people to complain to. One of their main jobs is to protect the public. They it, that's a chant you'll hear constantly reiterated there. They're there to protect the public from people like me. Um, but, you know, it, it's a bit broader than that. They're there to make sure you keep up with the standards of practice. They're there to make sure you constantly take, um, you know, educational courses to keep your license up and all this kind of thing. So there's, there's very legitimate reasons to have a college. Uh, there, I, I have worked with, well, more often the College of Physicians and Surgeons as an assessor, because some doctors I've assessed have had uh, have dementia. I have assessed some that have been psychotic. I've assessed some that got into drug problems, which, which a lot of physicians do fall prey to. And when these people cannot practice or people make enough complaints or the college believes that somehow they're incapacitated, they will have the individual assessed. And I've done a lot of work for that for the college and the law society, which means you better watch it, uh, and various other colleges. So that is one of their functions too. Uh, you could look at it as a kind of quality assurance to make sure that the psychologists practicing you know, know what they're doing and play by the rules. So the public interface between uh, the psychologists and the, and the public, would that be a good way to put it? If you have a complaint about a psychologist, you can okay. complain. If you want to find a psychologist, they'll help you do that too. And if you have a question about what a psychologist is up to or, or what they're doing, mm -hmm. uh, you call the college. Uh, again, the CPO website, terribly easy to uh, access on the computer. You can press on members and get the background of any member, how long they practiced, where they were education uh, took place, uh, what their areas of, of specialty are. And that's important. You have to specify your, your areas of competence. They don't want you practicing. Like I'm not, I'm licensed for adults, uh, seniors, adults. Um, and adolescents. I'm not licensed for children. So anybody under 12 or 13, I, I wouldn't involve myself with clinically. So they maintain- That's interesting. That's far more information than I believe the Law Society website gives out about lawyers, for example. No, they gave out everything, plus complete, any disciplinary actions are kept on there uh, pretty much forever. I think you might eventually be able to get it expunged, but it's it's pretty much forever. If the complaint ends up uh, in in some way that you're disciplined, that's pretty well stays on forever. Right. Uh, if you if there are no findings or they find it frivolous and vexatious, which is extremely rare, but not rare enough in my opinion, that you'll never see. But if they do nail you for something, it's it, it's on your record forever, and obviously it's very damaging to your reputation. But, but Don, you know, if the whole purpose of this college is to sort of, you know, protect the public uh, yes. in the area of dealing of, you know, of, 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 you know, psychologists and that, presumably 
uh, this group of people should not and really doesn't have the jurisdiction to involve themselves in aspects of somebody's life that don't involve, uh, you know, that don't impact on their being a psychologist, right? Generally speaking, no, but it, it's the same across the board. They do expect certain norms of behavior. So, for instance, if any of us and you and you're, you know, uh, in the law society or me or any physician does something egregious or goes out and uh, uh, say holds up a, a bank and <laughs> gets convicted, they will likely take your license away because you've done something unbecoming to their profession. Um, and it's very rare that that happens. Uh, well, we're going to talk about Peterson. This is one of the most egregious cases of new cases that I've ever seen uh, in this regard. Okay. But all, all of the colleges, and including law, you know, there are certain transgressions you can commit that they will, they can and do take your license away if you've done jail time. Okay, so, so things that would bear, that would clearly bear in your character overall are things that would sort of uh, you know, uh, d demean the uh, the perception of the profession and the public. Very vaguely stated, mm -hmm. but common sense can dictate what kinds of, of, you know, shenanigans one might get into that would be worthy of scrutiny by the college and perhaps removal of your license. If you're out there committing crimes, you know, you have to show yourself to be of, of reasonable character and a law-abiding citizen. In, or in order to get the license initially. Pardon? In order, in order to get the license at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, but it's okay. Yeah, all right. That you know, I mean, in theory, anyway, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but uh, you know, my perception over the years of these regulatory bodies is that uh, uh, you know they they certainly are not necessarily uh, paragons of fairness and non arbitrariness and things like that. So. Um, you know, would you agree that, uh, you know, when somebody's subjected to a complaint that uh, any psychologist uh, subjected to a complaint probably should begin by calling a lawyer? That's the most commonly, the most common route to take. Uh, just in my personal situation, again, I've been practicing almost 40 years. And although my, my first bit of work was for 20 years, I worked at the old Queen Street Mental Health, 999, people will often know. In Toronto, it's now part of CAMH, Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Um, you know, I started off working there, but then after 20 years, I went into the assessment field where I would assess people, their mm -hmm. mental status. And I'm also uh, a neuropsychologist. I have that designation so I can give tests to find out how a person's brain is functioning within normal um, limits. And the problem with the college often is, is that sometimes people on their disciplinary committees aren't even qualified in the area that the complaint is in. So I've seen, sure. I've seen neuropsychologists and I, I, I had to mentor one who in fact got into trouble. They didn't like an assessment he wrote. They said it was biased. In my opinion, it wasn't, but they said it was. And uh, he was forced to take retraining. And the committee that decided this had not one neuropsychologist on the committee. In other words, nobody would have known what he was talking about in his assessment, but they found it biased and hitting pretty hard. Hitting pretty wow. Hard. 
Wow, that's interesting. So like all of these other bodies, they're certainly not above the need for uh, oversight generally and sometimes judicial oversight. And I understand that's a, that's an aspect of, of Dr. Peterson's uh, issue at the moment. Okay. Now let's, uh, just if I can just finish one thing you asked about, about getting a lawyer. I want to say that the field I went into was quite a, a contentious one because I was assessing people who were um, making disability claims. And to be quite frank, there's a lot of fraud mm -hmm. uh, in that area. There's a lot of very legitimately injured and disabled people, but there's also uh, quite a bit of fraud. And uh, one of my jobs, often hired by lawyers and insurance companies, but I could, I could work for either client or plaintiff, you know, what's to determine, is this person malingering? Is this person putting this on? Is this person exaggerating? And when you do that, you're always going to really annoy somebody. If you sure. call somebody a malingerer, they're going to be very angry. If a lawyer sends you somebody and you say, no, they're, they're not malingering, they're totally legit. These injuries are real. They do have brain damage. Well, the lawyer's not going to be happy with you often. And they can make a complaint. I've had 10 complaints. That's quite a bit. Uh, a lot of them completely frivolous and laughable, uh, but I never used a lawyer, and I just used common sense and got out of it myself, and I've also helped quite a number of other people do the same for my college and other colleges, but given the new situation that's cropped up with Jordan Peterson, you should probably have a lawyer on speed dial. Right. All right, now let, let's move over and talk about Jordan Peterson. Um, and I, I'd like you to kind of patiently take me through this because, you know, I'm aware of him just because he's in the media, but I honestly do not know a great deal about this situation, although you've definitely got me interested in it, other than I believe that his issues started while he was teaching at the University of Toronto a few years ago. Is that correct? Yeah, well, if uh, if I may, let me start at the beginning with him. He is a Canadian raised in, I believe, Fairview, Alberta, which last I checked had a population of 2,900 people, way in the northwest of Alberta. And the man really made something out of himself. He went to McGill and uh, obtained a PhD there doing some very original research. He then got a full professorship at Harvard where he taught for many years, he was a very popular professor, wrote a tremendous amount of articles on personality theory and such. They were all highly regarded. And I'm not sure when it was, it could have been 20 years back, he came home and uh, became a, a professor of psychology at University of Toronto. He was one of the most popular professors there. Um, he has um, your academic credentials are often weighed by how many citations you have in the literature. You write a paper, other scientists and writers will cite it. If an academic has a couple hundred citations, that's good. He has over 11,000, last I heard, plus three books. So he's very popular. He has, um, uh, just looking at the figures, he has 1.8 million followers on his YouTube channel with, uh, I think, 6.5 million views. 
So he's very well known. Several of his books have been on the bestseller list, New York Times, what have you. He's a highly regarded man and very, very popular with his students. But the first difficulty arose in 2016 with Bill C-16, which you probably know more about than I do. Uh, take take me through that, if you well, want. I'm not that well versed on it, but part of it had to do with the compelled speech of pronouns. This is the issue when a lot of, if I can use the term, woke people uh, decided this, but to me it's a ridiculous idea, that you know you can decide your own gender and you can decide your own gender pronouns and you don't have to use his or hers. Uh, you can use made up pronouns, Jure and Jim are one of them. It becomes hopelessly complex. And basically what the law says is that if somebody wants to be called by one of these pronouns, you have to call them by that pronoun. Uh, what Peterson has always called compelled speech. And Peterson did not object to the fact that people might want to be called that. That's fine if they want to be called some pronoun like that. But the government was going to compel you to do it. Compelled speech. Okay, so pause here. Give me a, give me a practical visual example. Of? Of, uh, well, compelled speech. Well, a person who decides they're not male or female and wants to be called by the pronoun jeer or gem. Okay. First off, you got to remember that when you're talking to them. If you make a mistake and call them him, you've committed what some people call a microaggression, uh, which is viewed as an egregious sin. They've been irreparably damaged and you're at fault because you didn't, you follow the rules of compelled speech. Okay, so so would it be this simple? Okay, if somebody wants to be called jure, uh, and if you fail to do that, then you're in violation of this law. Have I got that right? Here's to say, yes, and that's what he really uh, railed against. And many people who are in this crowd uh, viciously attacked him. You know, all the, all the usual epithets, he's a Nazi and all this kind of stuff. And he stood up to them and became well known for standing up to them. And, uh, you know, that was kind why, of- the Why were they objecting to his position? I mean, his position clearly is people have the right to call themselves what they want, right? So why are they objecting to, you know, his position that he doesn't have to call them necessarily what they want? You'd be better off asking one of them because the logic is not anything that I can follow. Okay. All right. So, so we're in 2016 and, and, and I do remember without, you know, again, you know, you can be peripherally aware of things going on, but not understand them. And I do remember this going on. And I remember seeing clips on wherever, television, YouTube, I don't know, of, you know, protests at the University of Toronto over this issue, if I'm not mistaken, while he was while he was a professor there, right? Yes. It's all on YouTube. And you, you can look at the original confrontation where he was, you know, kind of cornered by 15 or 20 students, no bigger than that, about 30 or 40 students at a protest and- uh, A peaceable, a peaceful protest, right? Well, it was, they were yelling and screaming at him. He was trying his best to communicate with these people. And it's it's a very worthwhile video to look. It goes, well, there's various clips, but it can go on for about 20 minutes. It's on YouTube with mm -hmm. 
questions about this. So, you know, I, I would suggest interested viewers take a look at that. And that was the kernel of it. That's where it started. And it, it kind of snowballed from there. Okay. Well, let's talk about the snowball. What happened next? I mean, at that point, he's not an international sensation or anything, oh, is no, he? No. And it, it's very interesting. I hadn't heard of him either that that well. I, I didn't know that much about him. But when I began to look at his background, I thought, wow. There is no psychologist in Ontario with this man's status and stature. And I have to say, if you listen to him lecture, he's one of the most erudite people I've ever heard. A tremendous breadth and depth of knowledge, philosophy, uh, into the Greeks, uh, all through the Enlightenment. He's just very, very well versed. And one thing I want to say about him is that he always tries to rely on the science on the empirical evidence, as is mandatory of a psychologist when you when you when you practice. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, he was viciously attacked for uh, his, uh, his views. He became more and more popular. He started appearing on all kinds of shows, Bill Maher in the States, Joe Rogan, um, ABC, NBC, CBS, BBC. Everybody was out to get him to come and talk, and he did. And it just got increasingly uh, just larger. Uh, to where he was, again, very well known. There are about 500 hours of lectures uh, on YouTube that he's given. But, you know, he has gone in, in a lot of his public lectures that had nothing to do touching a patient or even seeing a patient. He's gone very far afield. He's criticized a lot uh, of aspects of, of modern culture, particularly a oh philosophical idea generally under the rubric of postmodernism, you know, people who don't believe in, in regular sexual genders, uh, people who don't believe in categorization, people who believe that all of society's problems are the white male patriarchy, um, and on and on and on. These pretty vapid ideas. He criticized a lot of that. And again, he has been invited to speak everywhere. Uh, he's sometimes uh, not allowed to speak when the left-wing students cause a fuss on a campus, but he became quite the sensation and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, along this path, people started writing to the college and complaining about him. And okay, can I just pause, pause you here for one second, okay? The way you describe this, it sounds to me as though he's not practicing psychology at all, that he's out doing all kinds of other things. I mean, I haven't heard you say a single thing, uh, you know, that, that this guy is actually running a practice as a psychologist anywhere. Is that correct? Well, you look perplexed and so am I. That's exactly right. This has nothing to so do. So in other words, he's somebody who has a license to be a psychologist, who's not behaving as a psychologist. He's not in that business. He's out doing a bunch of other things. And where we're going with this conversation is the, the College of Psychologists is getting ready to clamp down on him for doing things that are unbecoming to a psychologist. Have I got that right? Uh, it's, as far as I can understand it, this, of course, assumes this can be understood. But that is, that is probably the reasoning. Now, let me say this. People started about 2020 to make complaints about him. I'm, I'm quite sure hundreds of complaints by the way, is he still at the is he still teaching at the University of Toronto? Uh, first of all, he, he stopped his clinical practice in 2017, so he hasn't treated a patient since 2017. He continued being a professor there, but he retired um, 
probably within the last year, and he is now a professor emeritus. Uh, the emeritus is the status given to a you know highly valued prof professor when you retire at the end of your career. So okay. he's not teaching, and he's not in clinical practice. Okay, so those two key points. He is not in clinical practice. He is not teaching at the University of Toronto. What he's doing is going out, you know, talking about the things he's interested in in public forums. Have I got that right? Basically, yes, yes. Okay, all right, please continue. Well, again, well, people started complaining about him for all these reasons. And, you know, what the college is always after is if a psychologist has caused harm, all right? So you have a patient, you misdiagnose them, that can cause harm. If you, you, you call a patient, you're dealing with a patient and you're, you, you make some ridiculous remark or something that can be considered racist, or, or sexist or whatever that could cause a person harm and they're interested in that kind of thing but people who had never met him <laughs> who were never in his clinical practice started calling the college and saying you know this guy's caused me harm because of what he said now a whole plethora of complaints came around 2020 the college investigated it and let him go for the very reasons you're citing what's this got to do with clinical psychology absolutely nothing and they let him go. This has all been in the paper. You can follow this all mm -hmm. online. Then in 2022, something happened. And a bunch more complaints came in. And this time they decided, yes, indeed, by giving his lectures, by stating his point of view, by appearing on the Joe Rogan show, and Joe Rogan is a stand-up comedian. Um, he made statements that people feel harmed them. Okay. Now, before you go further, this, I just want to uh, get reconfirmation of this point. So this is in 2022. And yeah. he has ceased his uh, practice as a psychologist in 2017. Yes. No clinical. The only work. thing he has is, is a license, okay, which he had, which is sort of dormant. Is that right? Yes. Okay. All right. So, so what were the okay? So, what were these things that were happening? Yeah, papers and such, but that's that's more the academic aspect. He's he's not involved in the, the papers. Have nothing to do with the with treating the general public. No. Okay. All right. So, what were some of these things that came in then? Well, uh, we have Joe Rogan. What else? I've been trying to glean a few. Um, he was, uh, well, for instance, the, the Freedom Convoy back, forget the dates of that, and a state of emergency was launched for, what, three days when they had the, the convoy in Ottawa. And at one point, the government basically said, hey, you know, if you bring your children, if you're one of the protesters in the Freedom Convoy and you bring your children to this, we might go take your children away from you because you're you're putting them in harm's way. As far as I know, the, the whole deal was completely um, uh, safe. I don't think there was violence that I know of, but the government made the threat, Trudeau made the threat that, wait a minute, you know, this is heavy stuff and we might have the police come in. And if you have kids, we'll be able to take them away. And Peterson simply wrote, you know, you're going to take them away. Why are you doing it? Where are you taking them? Who's going to look after them? And then he said that the decision is bad. 
As far as I know, that's all he said. And somebody complained, and that was interpreted that he broke the rule among all people in the uh, registered health professions that if you believe a child is being harmed, you have to call the Children's Aid Society and take action. So they inferred that by making the comment, why the hell are you going to take these children away? Who's going to look after them? Where are they going to go? And it's a bad idea. Uh, they and the college, the complainant and the college agreed that, that, that he was basically sanctioning, you can ignore harm to children. I, you know, I, I find it impossible to understand that connection. Oh, I don't think you will understand it. I mean, uh, is, is, isn't it the opposite by asking where are you taking them? Doesn't that, in fact, demonstrate a concern for the children? If you apply common sense. Okay. All right. That's, That's what I'm dealing with. Um, some of the other things. Well, Joe Rogan, was he went on a, a terribly wide uh, field of, of just the, the amount of things he talked about were vast. For instance, that um, he was just talking about personal experiences, that Toyotas rust quicker than, uh, Japanese cars rust quicker than other cars. And uh, that was mentioned as something that, uh, you know, he's not an expert on that. Why? why but, that, he... that would, but given his, you know, his probable age, that would have been true during his, you know, years of growing up with cars. I actually remember that too. <laughs> I'm, I'm still fighting it. Um, he also made some comments. Um, oh yeah, he he's not a denier of of climate change or any of that, but he does say, look, you know, we're not a hundred percent sure that it is man made, and you know that's a legitimate point of of contention. You can believe one way or the other; it doesn't matter to me. Um, but he believed that you know it's just not yet that well proven but more to the point even if it is proven we really don't know what to do about it and everything we're doing you know we don't know if it's going to work or not and what he really focused on was a lot of people out there and you will hear it and good old greta thurnberg the 13 year old who became the, the queen of all that you know was was commenting that uh you know we're doomed that we young people we've had it we have no life. We're totally dismayed that the climate and by analogy, the patriarchy are killing us off. And that, that's a pretty common point of view out there among certain tribes, I, I can assure you. And, and Peterson was debating someone on that point. And uh, I think I had the quote, yeah, he, he just said that, you know, if, if you're that afraid of, of life here on Earth, um, you're free to leave it at any point. That's what he said. You're free to leave it at any point. Now, to me, it was a joke. Like, what are you going to do, hop off the planet? But somebody said, no, he's inciting people to commit suicide. I'm sorry, could you read that back to me? Exactly what that said? Pardon? Could you repeat what that was, that where somebody inferred it was a suggestion to commit suicide? 
Again, I, I would I would direct you to that uh, one was the National Post if people want to read this, because I can certainly believe people wouldn't believe I'm telling you the truth. Uh, but that's my understanding of it. His statement was you're free to leave the planet at any point. And somebody said, well, he's calling for people to commit suicide. That that's what he meant by you could leave the planet. Okay, all right. Okay. And, you know, well, I could, I could see that somebody, you know, if they wanted to, Oh, you can interpret an extreme and exceedingly literal interpretation and inferring the only and and then going to a step two the only way you can leave the planet is by committing suicide but that's you know that's a yeah but you can also look at it metaphorically as a joke i mean of course you can of course you can absolutely something like this so so what we got going on here is a bunch of People writing to the college because they know that that's a place they can complain to. Yeah. People who've never met him, never yeah. been his patient, never been in his class. They're from all over the world. From all over the world, in yeah. countries where he's never even been, are oh, writing to the college with the hope that they'll do what? Ban him from practice? Well, first off, they've accepted these people's contention that he has harmed them. Uh, have they brought these people in for an independent examination, cross-examined them? When I write to uh, all my legislators and such, that's one of the points I often make, produce one. Right, okay, okay, that's interesting. You know, it, it sounds to me, I mean, is it possible they're actually just looking for an excuse to go after this guy because they don't like him? Is this possible? He's extremely disliked by, you know, people with certain philosophies that, that's common among certain people out there. What you might call wokeism. I don't care to get into that more than that. But these people detest him, hate him, and call him every name in the book and view him as a, as a terrible danger. Um, so so I understand, based on the, the articles that you sent me, that the... The college is not presently at the stage of trying to kick him out of the profession for good. Rather, they're trying to, they're suggesting some remedial, they want to rehabilitate him. That's what well, that has to happen. They've, they've said that, okay, you've really harmed people and we got to stop you from harming more people. So he is to be, I believe a date, I believe the date's in the future. I don't believe it's happened yet. It, it should happen very shortly he's been told to appear before uh a the disciplinary committee of the of the college of psychologists where he will be reprimanded well he will be told about the egregious harm he's done to people he's never met and and he he has to agree to all that and then he has to agree to what his sentence is which is for six months minimum take a media re-education course taught by, well, they've given him two names. I've looked these people up. The website that they, where I found them on, looked pretty creepy to me, but they seem to be PR firms. I can't say more than that. I don't know what these people are, but he's supposed to be sent to one of these people. He has a choice of one or the other, where for six months, and for $225 an hour on him, he has to go to these people 
and learn how to be retrained on how to think and on how to express himself in public. And at the end of that six month period, the PR firm or whoever these people are will tell the college if he has behaved, if he has learned his lesson, if he now knows how to muzzle himself and now knows how to make public statements that do not harm anyone. And if they say he hasn't learned that, he could get another six months or another six months. Now, what has happened is that he has said, I'm not playing ball. I'm not going to sign it. I don't believe I hurt anybody. Uh, you know, produce them if you can. Uh, I'm not going to do it. And instead, I'm taking this to the divisional court. All right. So in other words, he, so that's a judicial review application. In other words, he's going to ask the court to oversee the conduct of the college. Yes. And that wouldn't be the first time, by the way, the courts have done that. No, and, no. That's largely what the divisional court does. Okay. Right. You know, it's, it's, the college long ago when the college, as far as I'm concerned, persecuted a very good neuropsychologist. Uh, this was back quite some years ago. He beat them and they had to end up... Uh, paying him quite a sum of money but it ruined his health <laughs> ruined him economically and he never recovered no i i that, that i believe i mean you know this stuff is horrible so in other words what they're really saying is we want you to go to twitter school to learn how to tweet more respectfully is really what they're saying i think right and and public speaking he he, he was banned from twitter i can't remember what he said but Elon Musk has just let him back in, and Elon Musk has commented that uh, the matter is very concerning, and I would agree with that. Yeah, well, I think this is very concerning. I mean, you know, I mean, my impression of this, and I emphasize this is only my impression because I'm just learning about it, um, is that the, you know, really, uh, this has nothing, in any case, you know, even if he's doing the worst things on the planet, it has nothing to do with his capacity as being a psychologist whatsoever. Not that I can see. And it's all, it's, it's all contributions to the general public discussion. I mean, he's not like taking out ads that people can't respond to. He's saying things for the purpose of inviting people into a rational discussion, right? I would say so. And, you know, nobody's being forced to listen to him that I'm aware of. Okay, so so really, wouldn't shouldn't this complaint be characterized more in the sense that he is actually encouraging people to think in ways that the college doesn't like? Absolutely. Okay, well that, that that's interesting. That's interesting. Based on the college's acceptance of of people claiming they've been psychologically hurt and damaged because of what he said. And, you know, this has a lot of wide implications. I have a clinical practice. I have patients. And a lot of my patients think very highly of Jordan Peterson. And they're worried. Some are worried that it's going to happen to me. Well, you know, I'm not that high profile. And unless somebody sees a podcast, who knows what will happen. But the other thing, too, and, and one woman I worked with told me not long ago that she when she sees a psychologist, and she's seen several, when she wants to ask about the name Jordan Peterson and what you think, she's terribly shy. 
because she's afraid that, you know, maybe that's not a proper topic, given all the negative press, and now certainly given this. Uh, that's how bad it's become. So, you know, I could certainly argue that some of my patients have been harmed because they think their therapist is going to be taken away from them. And not just me, it could apply to anybody. You work with a therapist for five years, get to really find the person an integral part of your life in terms of helping you, says the wrong thing in a public forum someplace, and bang, he's re-educated. Don, you know, I'm a simple-minded person, okay? I, I want to I sort of summarize this in a very, I think, simple way. So what's happening is that we've got you know, this sort of group of people, including the current government, and I suppose the people who run this college, who are saying, we and we alone are going to decide, you know, what is the truth and what are acceptable parameters of speech, yes. and we're going to punish anybody who disagrees with that. I mean, have I got that right? Yes, assuming there are people that are making complaints. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll decide, yeah, have you said something that can hurt people? This is amazing stuff. I oh, mean... Really I've, you know, the, the college has always had very poor judgment, in my opinion. They, they just, uh, there are mature colleges, such as the this college. Is, this is not about protecting the public. This is the use of the college to sanction an individual they don't like. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is a very large component. I can attest to this. And I can't talk about percentages, but I know there's a large percentage of psychologists who detest him. Um, I've been in trouble more than once with, with a lot of colleagues by simply mentioning his name in a public forum. I was called reprehensible once by a member who I'm not sure if this person ended up on the college for a while or not. I, I'm, I can't say that for sure, but many of these people have you know, gone on to, uh, I think, hold positions in the college. But at the mere mention of Jordan Peterson once, I, I was, was just lambasted by many, many other psychologists calling him racist, calling him a fascist, calling him a Nazi. They can say things that I think are extremely hurtful to somebody and get away with it, but he can. That's fascinating stuff. Well, you know, I think that, um, I think this actually, this issue concerns everybody. This is clearly way beyond Jordan Peterson in the college, and I think he's absolutely right to bring this judicial review application. I hope that by bringing it, uh, people will understand that this is, in fact, about far more than Jordan Peterson. Absolutely. If I can just say, anybody with a regulatory body, which is you, the Law Society, engineering, they have one, uh, countless professions, virtually all professions have a regulatory body. And, and this cuts across all that. If a regulatory body says, no, we, you know, you can't say that in public and we're going to come after you, that that's the precedent they're setting. But luckily, it's never really happened anywhere but the College of Psychologists of Ontario. And, uh, you know, I, I have to say, I'm not proud to be affiliated with them. And we'll see where I get for saying that. But how can you be proud to be affiliated with a group like this? Well, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that's right. And I, you know, this conversation has triggered a memory trace. I completely forgotten about this, but a few years ago, the Law Society launched this campaign. Oh, it's similar. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I Very mean, 
you know, it's just I, like I don't I really just remove myself from all of these kinds of discussions. I'm too busy with other things. But, uh, you know, I remember, you know, very much the same sort of discussion. This is not just about individual lawyers or psychologists. You know, it's about it really is about, uh, you know, openness of debate, who sets standards for things. Uh, you know, et cetera. But what I think is is most striking about this is that, uh, or one of the things that is, is that everything that I've heard that that Jordan Peterson has done has simply been an invitation for a conversation and an exploration of the issues. Absolutely, he's an excellent debater. He, he he's debated in places like you know Oxford and, and major forums. That's exactly what he's about: free debate and. He's a rough and tumble debater. Oh, okay. Um, now I read the uh, I read the judicial review application before uh, speaking with you this evening, and uh, interestingly, and I think predictably, okay, it is couched in uh, uh, statements that all of this violates the Charter of Rights, a freedom of expression. Um, I didn't see freedom of association, but I suspect that might be part of it in various ways, but at least the freedom of, of uh, expression thing. Expression, certainly. Yeah. All right. Well, this has really been great. And I thank you for taking the time to discuss this because I, you know, again, you know, it's, it's so much of life, you know, you're sort of peripherally aware of, but have no idea what's really going on. So this has been very enlightening, and I thank you for it. And I would invite you uh, to offer any concluding comments that you have or thoughts or advice. or. Well, I think you've done a good job of asking me questions that kind of covers the, the waterfront. Um, you know, it may just seem like a small issue to people and a tempest in a teapot, but it's not. Yeah, wait till it happens to you. It's, it's fr Well, I'm, you know... It could. <laughs> I mean, it could happen to anybody. What I'm saying is that this kind of, you know, it this could, kind of a person. Yeah, it could actually happen to anybody. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, uh, um, and where the reason we first met is that I'm very interested in giving up my American citizenship and becoming a Canadian, which I'm with your help and hopefully in the final stretch of after 10 years at it. Um, and it's something I've been really looking forward to, getting away from the U.S. and all of that, not just the tax burden, but other other reasons. Well, you know what, Don, that we will do a separate podcast on that. Suddenly, uh, suddenly for the first time, I've almost had second thoughts, like what kind of country is Canada at the moment? And just to end, there was one very good article. I think I, it was in some like the South Pacific Chinese news or something that you don't probably normally read where the author points out what on earth is happening in polite Canada. Canada is, <laughs> known, Canada is known for a country of, of, of uh, extreme politeness. You, you tap somebody in a, in a grocery store line and, and you, you profusely apologize. I'm sorry. It's the standard, you know, Canadians are the politest people in the world. Well, how does this mesh with that? Well, uh, I think the Canadians are very polite people, but I think that the governments and regulatory bodies are getting extremely overbearing. Well, this is proof of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Don, let's, uh, that's a, you know, that's a great point that you raise because, 
I have actually in the last year uh, talked with people who have backed off renouncing U.S. citizenship precisely for this, you know, precisely because of fears of, you know, Canada becoming too authoritarian. Uh, I won't, but I am concerned. And now I have, as Canada hopefully will be my only country, uh, that makes me a lot more invested in it than I used to be. I'll tell oh, you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No question about it. I mean, I think that, you know, I think that what we're seeing is right around the world, uh, you know, government's becoming more aggressive, uh, definitely, definitely more aggressive. And, uh, you know, my theory on this is that, you know, people have sort of, uh, disengage from the political process and let political parties run everything, you know, et cetera. And, and these are important issues and they're all linked, I think, in that way. Uh, but anyway, definitely we'll pick this up with some of these other topics, especially the U.S. citizenship thing, which is is fascinating. Yeah. And I thank you very much for uh, chatting with me this evening. I look forward to the next one. Because I think this is an important issue, narrow as it may seem at first. And you've given me and hopefully other people uh, uh, will hear this and, and realize the potential gravity of this bizarre situation with the College of Psychologists of Ontario. Don't forget that that's who we're talking about. Yeah, it's sort of like it's 11 o'clock. Do you know what the college is up to tonight? Look them up on the website. You can see all of this. And yeah, I think it was at cpo.on.ca. I think that's... <laughs> College of Psychologists, they have a website that's not too difficult to, uh, you know, you can look up any psychologist, you can look up their history and find out all their egregious crimes. <laughs> uh, most, of course, have none, but if you do, and uh, Jordan Peterson is now going to be one of these people, and you can read it right on the website that, you know, he's guilty of hurting people that he never met. Well, he's not practicing psychology anymore, and I remember it was in the 70s and the Watergate thing when John Dean was disbarred in some state i think it was the state of may have been virginia he said oh well i never practiced law in virginia anyway so you know fortunately he's beyond that uh, that point in his career well don thank you so much for this this has been great okay thank you